The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Foster and Kimberly Gamble are the makers of the wonderful films Thrive One and Thrive Two. It is my great pleasure to have them on the podcast today. And if you want to learn more about Foster and Kimberly, please visit their website, thrivemovement.com. That's thrivemovement.com. Foster and Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother and sister? <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for this opportunity. I've been checking out a lot of your interviews and love what you're doing. So I'm grateful to be a part of it. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for the opportunity, Pete. It's great to be with you. Wow. That is all I can say. My wife and I watched your latest film over the last two nights and congratulations. That's, Thank you. Wow. What a gift to the world. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for receiving it this way. That, that's how it was intended. Yeah. Tell me about how you feel now that you've released that. You've, you've pressed send. You've, you've gone. <laughs> it's out there. Tell me what, how that feels for you, knowing that you have contributed to the future of humanity. Well, it's kind of surreal, actually, because we realized it was a thousand days pretty much straight of just focus from when we decided to do it to when we pushed send there. And I feel tremendous relief, partly because we weren't really saying much like COVID hit and we were just pretty much staying off the radar while we could finish the film to get it out. 
and there was so much going on and we had so much to say and yet we knew we had something to contribute that would be coherent and say say it more completely than we could do in any short interview or soundbite so we just stayed uh, stayed with it and now that it's out i feel i feel personally liberated and also just into the the long haul from here we set out to do something we did that and now we're getting to join together with networks and people all over the world each of whom is you know finding their rightful way to participate in all of this and I, I just feel grateful to be able to join together now with so many other people and carry on we have a lot to do here <laughs> yeah i just feel so happy we were so guided in the process of doing this i mean it was crazy to decide to do this and go ahead and launch into the film without having raised all the money was crazy and stressful but both of us absolutely felt in our own inner guidance that we needed to get going on this film as rapidly as possible and keep just keep going full speed till it was done and get it out there and literally we finished a couple of days before the covid lockdown in california and then to have the the film come out now in the midst of what's going on in the world you know if we had orchestrated it uh, it wouldn't have been nearly as good because <laughs> we wanted it done earlier. Kimberly wanted it done earlier. I wanted it to come out uh, later. And this turned out to be the perfect timing. You just tick so many boxes for me on a, on a personal level and a, sp and a spiritual level. I mean, it just kept unfolding. And I mean, life is like that. It just keeps unfolding and we, we grow and we evolve and we learn so much. And when watching both of your journeys, you know, and, and the passion that you both have for personal development, personal evolution. I understand that, but also what that means as a whole, what that means to the community, what that means to the coming generations. You know, I can feel that in both of you so much. And I have to agree that this film has launched at the perfect time, even though it's such a crazy time in the world now and what i think what i know your film delivers is solutions and i'd love for you to be able to talk about some of these solutions for us for anybody that hasn't watched the film yet the first solution i believe is personal understanding of who we are and kimberly i was so pleased to see that you spent some time with Jerry down at Rhythmia and also Mitra, the wonderful shaman. And I was blessed to spend a week with those, those gentlemen and also the people at Rhythmia last, last year. And it was a challenging adventure, but also very rewarding at the same time. And can we start with that and what that was like for you to experience that? Sure. It was a gift in my life and it was, it was unexpected actually because I was looking, I was exploring health, actually breakthrough health technologies that were not FDA approved. And I wanted to find out, is there some way to get these breakthroughs out without breaking the law that would work a word of mouth? Because it, well, I'll take a roundabout way to tell you how I got there, but the Thrive One had spread 
we had 90 million views in 27 languages and we never had done any advertising. So I, I knew it was word of mouth and I thought, well, if you give people something useful, they'll spread it. And these breakthrough technologies in the health world that I was learning about, I knew were useful. And I thought if I could just get them to people, they could spread it and I wouldn't have to break any laws by making any claims. That's where the stranglehold is, as you know. So I was looking into that when I was introduced to Jerry at Rhythmia, who has the only medical license in the world for ayahuasca. And so I said, whoa, okay, Jerry, if you could get a medical license for ayahuasca, I want to I wanna know you and hang out and learn what you learn. And I'll trade with you. Like, I'll expose you to these various health technologies. You teach me what you're learning. And in the course of being down there, I had a chance to meet the very shaman who were speaking the language that we had heard repeatedly when working with various energy inventors. They were all talking about vibration and frequency and resonance. And when Mitra and Taita and the shaman there were talking about the expanding consciousness, they were talking about achieving resonance energetically. And so I called Foster, I said, it's exactly, I even say that in the movie, that it's exactly like listening to the energy inventors. And then it was actually the same as talking to the health inventors. So I knew we were on to some common theme there. And then I dove in personally to do some deep inner work for which I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity. Were you skeptical? And Foster, what was, have you experienced plant medicine like that yourself? Yes, numerous times. And, and during my life, I have occasionally experimented with various psychotropics. I learned early on to do it with tremendous respect and reverence. So maybe once every five to 10 years, I would, would uh, do something if it felt right. And I learned a tremendous amount from each one of the experiences, especially as a glimpse of what's possible to inspire me to learn how to get into those states on my own. And I, I've been researching and working on my own consciousness development for 40 years anyway. I ran a company that I started in Silicon Valley called the Mind Center, where we did the brainwave biofeedback. And so a lot of my path has been bringing the inner consciousness work together with the science, which has been a lifelong passion for me and then seeing how can those two come together and then make a, a really effective offering for humanity. I have to say, I wasn't too skeptical. I had great respect for what they were talking about, and I had such a good experience with it. For me personally, it, I just was breaking through and breaking through and breaking through, so I so experienced the value of it. When I was fresh out of college, I was working with the Journal of Transpersonal Psychology during its founding. And in our weekly meetings, people started coming in with these reports about this plant medicine called ayahuasca. This was particularly from Brazil. So some of the researchers started going down there and doing studies. And they would come back with these phenomenal reports saying, oh my God, this isn't just, this isn't like some drug that people are addicted to or something like that. It's a natural medicine. And these were sociologists, psychologists, and so forth. And their reports came in as 
these cultures are the most psychologically healthy cultures we have ever seen in the world, and they attribute it to this plant. So that lodged in my mind as, okay, someday I'm going to check out what that is. But it was, you know, it's another 40 years before I actually got to experience it, but it was worth it. Yeah. Fantastic. Recently, I was fined by our version of the FDA, if you like, called the TGA because I'm going to spin it around, but we have a machine over there called a biocharger. I don't know whether you can see that over there. but uh, We've just opened a a health lab in Byron Bay in Australia, and we have cryotherapy machines. We have hyperbaric oxygen. We've also got red light therapy or infrared light therapy. And we were going to put in this biocharger, which works on frequencies as there's a lot of different frequency machines that are out there. At the time, it had a thousand recipes for all different sort of things. You know, if you want to go into a deeper meditative state, then it's got a program for that. It's got a program for potentially how to work on your knees or your inflammation in your legs, whatever it may be. And they would programmed it for Wuhan coronavirus. And I mentioned that. And I didn't say it heals it. I didn't say it cures it. I didn't say it treats it. I just said there's a program in there. And I was subsequently fined $25,000 for mentioning that. And it became mainstream news around the country and that I'm a crackpot, whatever. And it was so wonderful to watch your film because frequency and vibration and resonance seem to, it is the theme that runs throughout your film in so many different layers. How long have you been looking at these frequency devices and machines for? And what have you come to realize about them through your studies? Well, for me, I've been more on the energy side and Kimberly's been more on the health side. And I've been studying the geometry and the the math and the physics and the music of the unified field for 35 years. But it was about 20 years ago that I uh, really started to learn about Tesla and the other inventors who were suppressed. And so I have been actively looking for 20 years for devices that would prove, number one, that we live in a universe of infinite abundance, and number two, that we can tap that in a clean, inexpensive way if we're in resonance with it rather than in violation against it. And it was really at the beginning of this film and even during the film that I finally found actually four different devices which were doing that successfully. So it was a a tremendous kind of finding the holy grail for me. I knew all along that it was possible. And I believe stories about people who had it and had been suppressed. But when Kimberly and I were finally in the presence of devices which are pouring out clean, free energy with no moving parts and they're not plugged into anything, it's a spiritual experience because you can't really easily wrap your mind around it. But like a great meditation, you can open your being to, to the experience of it and it, it changes everything. Yeah, I think for me it was with the health. It started with the field like it does for energy. That's why we started the movie that way, to be able to see that if there is this web of interconnected energy and it's organized in a knowable way and there are people everywhere saying that when you understand that, 
there are ways to work with geometry and frequency to plug into it, then, all right, so let me look through that lens. And then the whole notion of frequency and resonance, and like we described in the movie, my intention in that was to pull it in from fringe quackery, as it's uh, often relegated, certainly by the mainstream, to say, well, wait a minute, there's an invisible world. We know that. Like with my grandkids, I used to tell them, do a dog whistle. Like there's a sound, but you can't hear it. But there's evidence that it can be heard. And I said, and let's do a magnet. Look, you can feel forces, but you can't see them. It's really important to develop an appreciation for things that are outside of our hearing and seeing. And then look at what's the effect of it, because we can learn about it in that way. So for me, with the medical technology, it was a lot understanding that people, the best breakthroughs that I saw were people who were interacting with the field and understanding the human body as a part of that and looking to achieve resonance between our biology and that field. And to me, that's what health is. Well, let's talk about the field then for anybody that hasn't watched your film and has no idea what we're talking about at the moment. So the unified field, because that really is the overarching theme of the film, I believe, is the, the understanding and the respect and the knowing of the unified field. Yeah, we like to say Thrive 2, starring the unified field. <laughs> <laughs> and part of our intention was to not only reveal the existence of this field, but to facilitate people falling in love with it. Because once you realize that there is a field and we're made of that field, we're immersed in it and it's who we are, and that it's so beautiful, it's the source of all wisdom, all love, all life, if we can facilitate people falling in love with the field and then also the realization that they are, in, they are the field, then we're helping people fall in love with themselves, self with a big S, and that's a lot of what we're up to. I mean, I think this is what, you know, like we say in the movie, this is what Einstein was seeking and talking about. I mean, this has been in the scientific literature and quest for a long time. So, and certainly it's what, you know, we've learned from indigenous wisdom. So to bring science and spirit together, I think that's what's happening anyway across the world, all, all around. And so this was a way to sort of go back and unpack it scientifically to give it some credibility, science has tremendous value. And so let's take a look at what are we seeing and what do we know about our cosmos. And so, as you know, because you have seen the movie and for those who do see it, we really look at it through a lens of what can we understand and what is known scientifically now about this more alive universe and the notion of a vacuum is a faulty notion. There are a lot of old notions that are giving way now to new understandings and insights, and, and a lot of things can change with these new, new understandings. Yeah, it's not a vacuum, it's a plenum. It's full of boundless energy. And just one other quick note on that is I had the privilege a number of years ago to spend an afternoon with the Dalai Lama, and when it came time to the question and answer portion, I, I asked him what he was particularly excited about. Like, what's at your leading edge these days? And he just kind of lit up, you know, his way his eyes get really bright. And he said, I'm really enjoying meeting with Western physicists. 
And I said, really? Why is that? And he said, because they're finally starting to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about politicians? Are they starting to get it? (laughs) Not many. Our hope is for people to wake up unmanned to transcending the whole idea of politicians who would be ruling us rather than continue with this so far fruitless quest for enlightened leaders or enlightened politicians. I think we can naturally choose leaders that we want to follow and learn from in, in particular areas. But this notion that, that even in a so-called democracy, that a, a, a majority, a mob should, should decide who should rule over all of us is so bizarre when you stop and look at it. I think our grandchildren will be looking back and going, they what? How do they, they organize that way? But right now, this whole notion of a stateless society, that we, that we could actually just rule ourselves based on the non-aggression principle and accountable sovereignty is the most radical notion on the planet. Literally, it goes to the root, the radical of everything. And it's what the powers that want to be, it's the last thing they want us to know, is that we can survive and thrive as free beings without their coercive control. Yeah, that's what I found so remarkable with your film is you tackled some of the deepest, darkest issues that we face in such a, and I don't want to use the word lighthearted, but in a, in a gentle way, maybe, in, in a digestible way. And I want, to, I want to understand, and even those words don't really give it the gravitas that, it, that you managed to do because it was, it's a tricky tightrope that you walk to be able to present that information without sounding crazy because I've, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time looking and conversing with different people on these topics and there seems to be a lot of anger. And, and I understand that too, but you seem to be able to package it in a way that I'd be able to send this film to my mum, which I'm going to do, or my children, for them to see it for what it is without being, and I don't want to use the word alarmed either, but it's so overwhelming where we're at, where we're at, at the moment. And I want to understand what your creative process was and your intention, the two of you, when you're like, how are we going to deliver this message and expose all of this darkness? <laughs> Tell me about that. I want to jump in first and just give huge credit to Kimberly on this one. Because when we were filming Thrive One, well, when we were writing Thrive One, I started in on the global domination agenda section, and I was really just stuck on exactly what you're talking about. How do you do this in a way that, that really conveys it to the heart rather than just turning people off? So I finally went to Kimberly and said, I'm really stuck. I'm trying to figure out how I can tell people that their hair's on fire without freaking them out and without missing a beat. She goes, well, what I would do is I would start, and she was a a longtime journalist for Newsweek way back. She knows how to communicate these things. And she said, she said, what I would do is I would say, look at this beautiful bowl of water. And by the way, your hair's on fire. (laughs) And then the second part of that was when we were actually filming in the studio When I was hosting Thrive One and we got to the global domination section, my 
anger, my upset started to arise against these people who are destroying so many billions of lives and causing so much unnecessary suffering. So I was getting very passionate and getting into some of that anger that you were talking about. Kimberly was the director. And she kept saying, well, let's take one more take on that and try this and try that. And finally, she said, tell it to me from your confidence about the way out and leave emotional space for me to feel my feelings rather than yours. And that was on the 19th take. <laughs> and the next time I described it from that place. And then we took a, a break and I, I stepped off the set and a number of the, the people on the camera crew were in tears because it had touched them rather than blown them away. And that was a lesson I will never forget in terms of the, the power of feminine energy. You don't need to cram this stuff down people's throat. You can invite them from your own well-being into the awareness. Well, That's you. my version. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I love people, and I have great respect for people, and I understand that many have just done what they were told trying to be good, and for whatever reason, weren't just naturally kind of rebellious, like I happen to be. <laughs> and so I, th I think I, I, I know I'm committed to coming at this with respect and appreciation that people have been taught and trained and rewarded for not pushing past a certain place and for believing well, if you believe what you're told, then slander is a very powerful thing, right? It can make you think that whoever's saying this over here must be crazy. And we watch the power of that again and again. So trying to come at it with that respect and at the same time say, we're required to do something different now. And it's, it's uncomfortable. And that's why I like how you started this. I completely agree. Who are we? Who is it when your world shakes? And everything that you learned, that's the truth. I would say certainly over 90% of everything that I was taught has turned out not to be what I learned. At least it was incomplete, if not actually wrong. And so who am I when that happens? Am I my beliefs and I evaporate with that? Or am I an eternal soul experiencing life here to grow and evolve through the discomfort of it. And if I have that identity, it's easier for me to say, okay, help me out here. You know, I even explained the scene in the movie I know with my grandmother, like how is it to hold different views without just giving up what I currently believe to take on the belief we put forth in the movie? I don't want that. I want people to listen to themselves and rely on something that resonates inside. And in this case, with information, what's the thinking behind cutting off information from humanity trying to solve a problem? There's not a situation that I can imagine that a good choice would be less information. It's just not it, any problem. Get the information and debate it, hear people who disagree, and then come up with the best possible solution. So the level of restricted information is a clue <laughs> that there's an agenda of some sort to have you believe a certain reality. And that right there is to just gently say, 
use your common sense here. If it's here and here and here and here, that's a pattern. And so let's look beyond that pattern. And that's kind of the approach that we take. And then I'll, I'll just say one other thing. We invite people who don't share the worldview to work with us. So the co-writers with us on this are people who don't necessarily agree or have familiarity with the concepts. And that's very helpful to have them say, wait, that doesn't make sense. Or what about that? To really have to choose those words in a way that would have larger appeal. Pete, if you don't mind me turning the tables for just a moment, I've noticed that you've been down a lot of rabbit holes uh, quite deeply. And I think you have found that tone also where people really want to hear what you're thinking, what you're asking, how you're going about it. You mind if I ask you how you found that tone? Yeah, for sure. It was interesting because you used the word invite or invitation, Kimberly, before. And last year when I was in Costa Rica, and I think it was the second night of drinking the medicine, and I had the great fortune of spending a week with Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, as well as Panash Desai, and many other beautiful people. There were 40 of us there. And one of the one of the learnings that I had to understand was don't force anything into or onto anybody else, your beliefs, your convictions, your perceptions. Invite them on the journey. Because if you invite them, then it's their free will. It's always their free will. And if they don't come along on the journey when you invite them, you can invite them again and again and again. And it was the same thing when I started to understand the power of food as one of the tools, one of the tools that we can use as forms of transformation of our health physically and emotionally and also spiritually, I've, I've come to realize, is that when dealing with children that may have sensory processing disorders or on the autism spectrum, one of the greatest gifts I was given was the gift of never giving up and persistence because that child, when you're trying to feed them, say some good fats, for instance, which is what their brains need, they might not accept that on the first, first try but it might take 10 or 20 invitations to that child until they accept that. And that could be the turning point. So if we gave up after the first or fifth or 10th try, and it was the 11th where they actually ended up accepting that invitation to try something new, that can be the catalyst for huge transformations. So I appreciate and thank and grateful for the question there, Foster is, I've learned to tread slowly and with a sense of curiosity, but also with an invitation for not only for myself, for my own spiritual and personal growth, but also for others. Because 20 years ago, I was drinking a bottle of wine at night and putting things up my nose and behaving in a way that I look back and just go, that was, a, that was a different journey for you. And I understand everybody's on their own personal journey. And, and it's, it's probably the most difficult thing to accept, but also the most beautiful thing to accept is that we are all different and we're all, all on different parts of our journey. And there's a lot of people that want people to wake up. 
I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast podcast.